It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful links in the description on Linktree. This week's episode, The Pascagoula Abduction. This is a pretty good one. We're getting caught up on abductions here because uh, we haven't done a whole lot of them. We've done a handful, and I put it to the vote on Discord. I mean, on Discord, on Patreon. By the way, you can support the show on Patreon. we got a couple different tiers here. But my choices were another from the files of Project Blue Book, getting 20% of the votes. Strange Sounds got 20% of the votes. And the Pascagoula, Pascagoula abduction, which got 60% of the votes. So people want to hear about these abduction experiences. And that's, by the way, anybody listening, the top tier, if you are the top tier Patreon, you get to vote on our next topics. You get to help us choose from a couple that I will, I'll put a poll on there. Uh, so from stuff that I pick, you guys get to help us decide the next topic. You know, there'd be usually, um, I w- has, have been doing like two choices, but I think I'm going to try to up that to three choices each time to see. And the way that works is I try to do a vote at least twice a month, um, so that you guys have a chance to vote on stuff. But sometimes like last week when there were uh, the holidays, we don't always have the chance to put the vote up. So it doesn't always work out, but my goal is at least twice a, twice a month minimum. And so far we have met that for sure. Since we've done the Patreon. All right. Well, let's get into, Oh wait, wait, before we get into it, I just want to mention, I also, I recently started an Instagram, but I'm not going to even say the name of the Instagram yet. I think it's Alien Con Pod or whatever, but I'll put the links somewhere eventually, probably in the link tree. But I haven't actually put anything on there yet. I'm still sort of trying to figure out the interface. It's very, very different than Twitter. <laughs> so there are similarities mm-hmm. like hashtags. But other than that, I'm like, huh? Reels? What What the heck's a reel? I guess short films, I guess. But films on, nobody uses reels anymore. It's all digital nowadays. But anyway, so yeah, I'll, I'll get that rolling eventually, but just wanted to mention that, throw that out there, that we will be having an Instagram at some point. I don't know what that point will be. Anyways, let's get into it. The Pascagoula Abductions. Did you get a chance Hell to yeah. look into this one, AGETA? I didn't get the greatest chance because my internet was down for most of the day here and hopefully it doesn't go down again because it like about like was like 10 minutes before we started here, it, was, it went down again for like three minutes and then it came back up. So I got lucky here, I think. Mm-hmm. So I got the gist of the the story though. I mean, I understand like what, what they claimed happened and stuff like that, you know? So, but it is, it is a very interesting story, you know? Yeah. It's a, I kind of, I kind of like these abduction stories because sometimes like just seeing a UFO, whatever, yeah, it's great and all, you know? And sometimes it could be by a lot of people. Sometimes it could be by just a couple of people, but like the abduction stuff is, is a little bit more interesting to me just because of what they described and what they went through, you know, and what they claimed that they went through at least, you know? Yeah. All right. So the events we're talking about were on October 11th, 1973. Charles Hickson, aged 42 at the time of the events and Calvin Parker, aged 19, were fishing off of a pier on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi around 9 p.m. 
And geographically, I guess, this is pretty close to Biloxi, Mississippi. That's sort of the area they're in. While they were fishing, they heard a strange buzzing sound from behind them. They turned around and saw a 10-foot wide, 8-foot high, glowing egg-shaped object that had blue lights on its front. And I saw that description, egg-shaped. Uh, maybe um, maybe we'll talk about Epstein some other time. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it was hovering just above the ground, about 30 or 40 feet from the riverbank. Now, when they turned around and they saw this thing, the men just completely froze in fear. Because, I mean, come on, that's got to be fairly unexpected, right? Oh, yeah. They So as they were watching it, they saw a door appear on the object and were even more surprised to see three strange beings exit the craft and float over to where they were. These beings were described as being about five feet tall, having bullet-shaped heads. They didn't really have necks. So like the drawing, there is a drawing of them. And if you look at the drawing, it looks like yeah, just like the head sort of goes straight down to the shoulder. There's no like sort of indentation where you'd expect for the neck. It just looks like a, just a head stuck on the shoulders, basically. So they had a bullet-shaped heads, no necks. They had a slit that could have been a mouth. And they had these thin conical objects sticking out of where you would expect to see a nose and the ears. And they didn't have eyes. So the objects that were sticking out were sort of like carrots or sort of like spikes or something. But in the picture, like they're not, they're all the same level. So you, you would think maybe the nose might be a little lower level, but they look all the same level in the, the drawing that you can find online, sort of a sketch. So it's sort of weird looking. It's kind of hard to describe it, but I guess that's the closest you can get with words. So the, the being had, beings had no eyes and their skin was gray and wrinkled, sort of like a mummy. And their feet were round sort of round-shaped. They didn't have toes, but they had round elephant-shaped feet. They had unusually long arms with claw-like hands. So they floated over to where the men were, and they seized them. Now, when they were floating, their feet didn't move or anything, which is strange. I mean, they have legs, but they didn't use them. They just sort of floated over. So they got over there, and they seized Hickson, and when they placed their claw-like hands on him, he became numb all over. And then they floated into the UFO, into a brightly lit room. This, where There was apparently no furniture anywhere. It was just a brightly lit room. And the only thing, I guess, was a screen-like device on the wall, sort of like a flat-screen TV. So the, the third being grabbed Parker, and he fainted right away, apparently. He was completely freaked yeah. out and just passed out. In uh, you bitch. Know. yeah, I found it. I found it kind of funny that like the forty-two-year-old Charles Hickson, you know, they they decided to use two of these guys with, and then the nineteen-year-old, which you would think that he would be a more formidable individual, maybe just because he's younger and more, you know, full of energy, less less likely to be injured, or what have you. It only took one of them, you know. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what why they would make that decision. Neither one of them looked like, uh, they, they looked like they were fairly fit. If you look at the pictures of them, they definitely looked like they got a lot of physical activity in. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, who knows what their weights were at the time? Maybe, maybe the older guy was actually quite heavier, you know, but even 50 pounds or something. Who knows? That, mm. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. So once on the UFO, they performed some sort of examination on Hickson 
So he was floating. They put him in the room and he was floating at like a 45 degree angle while he was in there. And this like floating eye thing pops out of the wall and he had trouble describing it. He said the best he could do is basically an eye-like device that comes out of the wall and it moved down his front and then around and back up and back over his head and stopped in front of his face. And this is sort of different than some other UFO encounters because there were not really a whole lot of, you know, probing and that kind of stuff. Although after this, there are some accounts I found where a sort of female-ish alien came in and put her finger in his mouth and like sort of put her fingers down his throat and were putting them like up through his nostrils or something. But I heard him describe this in an interview. There's, yeah. There's a, yeah. He said it wasn't quite female, but it was like female-ish in, in appearance. Yeah. And then he said that, uh, that was really painful. And, um, and then he was told telepathically that everything's going to be okay or whatever, you know, ah, oh, it's not going to hurt or whatever. And then just like you go to the doctor and be like, oh, is this, is this operation where you're removing my foot going to hurt? Nah, it'll be fine. It won't hurt at all. Yeah, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're lying, <laughs> but all right. So, um, there was that, that as well, but after they examined Hickson, they left the room and presumably examined Parker, but he was in a different room, so Hickson's not really sure. And so I found a lot of accounts that I found basically Parker was unconscious for this whole time, and we'll get into that a little bit later maybe, but um, Hickson was left floating and he was paralyzed. The whole time he couldn't move anything, but he could move his eyes, which is sort of a strange detail. And I wonder like, What's the mechanism there? Because if you're going to, if you can't move any muscle in your body, why would you be able to move your eyes? I'm not sure. It's kind of strange because mm-hmm. you're, you know, your eyes are controlled by muscles, but uh, I don't know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so 20 minutes later, Hickson was floated back outside and he found Parker was already there weeping and praying. So they were placed back in the exact same spot that they were picked up from. The object rose straight up and shot out of sight. Now, this is that's basically the encounter in a nutshell. Afterwards, they wanted to keep it to themselves. They were afraid of being ridiculed. So at first, they decided they didn't really want to tell anybody. But pretty quickly, they turned around and they decided that maybe the government would actually want to know about what had happened. So they called the Kessler Air Force Base in Biloxi. And they told the two to actually report it to the local sheriff. So they, they were thinking about that and they decided, well, let's go to the newspaper first because they were afraid that the police wouldn't take them seriously. So they went to the newspaper office, which was closed. So it was closed because of that. They did go to the sheriff's office and told the sheriff their story. After hearing their story, the sheriff put them in a room by themselves And the room had hidden microphones in it, like voice-acted microphones, I guess. The two men didn't know that. They were actually recorded the whole time, and they had no idea that they were being recorded. Now, the sheriff's idea was that he was going to put them in the room and let them talk amongst themselves, and that would reveal that the two were hoaxing the event, right? They would, you know, align their stories, you know, make further Mm -hmm. plans, and just talk about the hoax in general. Much to his surprise... They didn't do that at all. They instead, they talked about the event. So for example, here's a quote from that recording. Jesus Christ, God have mercy. 
I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this, see? But they could have, you know, I guess they, well, they could have harmed us, son. They had us. They could have done anything to us, but they didn't hurt me. Which is, you know, so he's talking about it still as if it's real, even though they don't know that the police are listening to them and they don't know that they're being recorded. Now, the fear in his voice on this recording convinced the police that the two were being genuine, that they at least believed what they were saying. Whether or not that's what happened to them is anybody's guess. So the story very quickly went to the local press and then was picked up by the national press and became major news across across the nation. They had a couple of prominent investigators, one from APRO, or the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, was sent... Uh, where they they sent James Harder to investigate. And uh, this is a strange detail. I found that a couple of different sources said that J. Allen Hynek also went to investigate, but it said he was representing the Air Force. Now, I found this strange because Project Blue Book was closed in 1970, technically 1970, but kind of more like 1969. They, they were shuttered down. It was only a technicality. But this is a 1973, so... What's he doing still working for the Air Force? It kind of makes you wonder, did they still have a secret project going for a few years there until 1973, when in 73, actually, Hynek started his own organization, which is a whole nother story. But that's just sort of a weird little detail. And I didn't really, I looked, I couldn't really verify that. I couldn't verify what Hynek was doing during those years between 70 and 73, other than his academic stuff. So... Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he was still working for the Air Force. Maybe they still had something like Project Blue Book. Well, we know for a fact that they did. We just don't know what it was. So maybe he was working for whatever that was. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. But that was just sort of an interesting detail that I found in the case that, I, you know, I tried looking to see if I could find a f- file, the file written by Hynek or Harder. I was not able to locate that, but maybe if I had more time, I could. But there has to be some sort of investigation file if they went to, you know, interview witnesses and stuff. That has to be out there somewhere. I don't know. Did you run across that at all, Agent ETA? No, I didn't. I didn't see any of that. So apparently the two hip, uh, hypnotized, the two interviewed the witnesses and harder hypnotized them, but had to cut the session with Hick, uh, Hickson short because he was too frightened. I guess he totally freaked out under hypnosis. And... Overall, Hynek believed the men's story, saying there was definitely something here that was not terrestrial, which again is pretty strange. Hynek is a strange character. He's gone back and forth between skeptical viewpoints and being a total believer. And even some of his quotations when he was sort of on the UFO bandwagon after Project Blue Book closed down, you know, he's writing books and he started his organization. I think it was QFOS. Even then, um, he was still uh, he would still sort of hesitate to say that there was extraterrestrial visitations. You know, he was just more along the lines of, "Yeah, this stuff is happening, but we don't know what it is." He wasn't really jumping to any specific conclusion a lot of the time. Now, after the fact, many years later, in two thousand and one, another witness came forward named Mike. C-A-T-A-L-D-O, Cataldo, Mike Cataldo, I guess is how you'd say it. So he came forward and said that he was in the Navy at the time in 1973. And that day, 
in October. He left the shipyard with a couple of other people, Ted Peralta and Mac Hanna. They left in Ted's VW on Highway 90, traveling west towards Biloxi, and it was nearing dusk as they went. They saw what they thought was a shooting star at first, but then it got closer and then it went down into a marshy tree-lined area. It hovered there for about 30 seconds, spinning and blinking. He said it had lights all around its edge. There was not a definite structure. uh, He said, no, there was a definite structure. It was not just lights. So he said they saw a craft for sure. They said it was a whitish gray color and the shape of a sailor hat or tambourine. And then after 30 seconds, it just shot away, almost like it was suddenly gone. You know, like very, very fast. Like it was there one minute and then huh. boom, gone. That's kind of weird because uh, I, I saw another interview uh, with, with a guy named Larry Booth. Uh, wait, who's, what was the name of the guy you were talking about? The guy I was talking about, that was, um, there's three of them. There's uh, Mike Cataldano. Uh, That's right. Then um, Ted, P- per- Ted Peralta and Mac Hanna. Okay, yeah, yeah. So th- that's very similar uh, to the description that I heard from uh, a person that uh, lives in Pascagoula. And his name was Lair Booth. He seemed like an older gentleman, maybe about retirement age or so. Maybe, you know, between 55, 60. They didn't say his age or anything in the interview. But he did describe basically the exact same craft. He described a, a floating craft above like the, uh, the streetlights uh, a little bit out in the distance. And it had lights all around the perimeter of it. It had a, like a, a dome at the top where there was light shining out of it. And uh, he, he basically only noticed it because he was going to check his front door or see if it was still uh, locked. And he looked up and happened to see it. And like he stood there for a second. Then he walked out his door. And like as soon as he walked out, I guess the, the craft just flew away. But he described like pretty much the exact same craft. You know, so that, that, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Wow. I was just looking at our live show chat. That's It's uh, popping off. Oh, Agent Kruger's in there. I wonder why he's not coming up on the stage. What happened to him? Let's see. <coughs> oh, I don't let's see him in there. He was he was in there. He's he's typing a little bit, but let's see. Oh, a new message. So, oh, Agent Ether's talking about she's in the city. That's why she's not on tonight. She's because uh, she works in the city one week out of the month, so she's kind of remote most of the time. But let's see what. Uh, let's see here. Oh, ah, Squid Killer found me on Instagram. He says he lied. He had two posts. Or three posts on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I put a couple of test posts just to sort of put stuff on there, but I didn't really hashtag it or anything. So it's just sort of like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm surprised you were able mm-hmm. to find me um, without me actually. Uh, I guess it's probably not that hard. I, I probably used Alien Con Pod on there. So I suppose that's not that hard. I'm just, I got to read through these comments here just to see, see what's going on in the live chat. And uh, oh, Denny says, greetings, agents and other keepers of the strange. Agent Kruger posted a bizarre picture of uh, fingers with hands on top clapping. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> all right. Some weird stuff going on in the uh, the live chat. Oh, okay. E- Agent Ether says that he's at work right now. So, oh, yeah. So Agent, e- <laughs> Agent Ether is telling the story about on New Year's Eve where they went outside. So people were lighting off fireworks as they do, which is. You know, I'm not in favor of it because there's been some pretty bad fires in this area, but, you know, people do anyway. So we figured, hey, might as well go outside, check it out and see what's going on. So we went outside to look and I was the last person out. And I guess they went out, the rest of the family went out and outside and they yelled Happy New Year or something. And I wasn't out there when this happened. So by the time I get out there, Jeannie, I mean, Jeannie, whoops, edit. I mean, uh, Agent Ether. 
<laughs> Agent Ether says, hey, that uh, that neighbor was sort of yelling at us a little bit. I'm like, really? That's weird. So then I go out there and then the neighbor sort of peeks her head around his two houses down and says, I'm calling the cops. I'm like what? On what? Mm-hmm. On what, madam? What are you calling the cops? We're standing in our front yard looking at the fireworks. It was so strange. But all right. Anyways, let's that's uh, caught up on the live show, show chat for now. Let's get <laughs> let's get back to the show. Um, so that was one sighting. So after that sighting, we're talking about uh, Mr. C- Cataldo, C-A-T-A. I don't know why. Why can't I say that name? It's not that hard. Cataldo. Cataldo. Okay, so Mr. Cataldo. Cataldo. Yeah, it's not that hard, right? Why, why am I having trouble with it? So Mr. Cataldo, after that sighting, they pretty much all went on their own ways. And he uh, he changed to his own car after he parted with Ted and Mac, changed to his own car. And on his way to Ocean Springs, it was getting dark and he saw the object again. And this time he watched it hover for about a minute before it shot off. He said that during both encounters, there were other motorists in the area that slowed down and saw it, but he, they were the only one the first time. And I guess the second time too, he was the only one to actually pull over and watch it. Everybody else just sort of slowed down and looked at it. Now this is interesting because my strong belief is that there are far, far more witnesses out there than actually report stuff. I think almost everybody has seen something at least vaguely strange. And I think that the number of UFO reports that have gone unreported, I should say, is numbers in the tens of thousands at, at the very least. You know, And I can say this from my own experience because like I've talked about before, for example, one time we saw a strange thing over Fullerton, California, and we uh, didn't report it. Nobody else reported it either. Um, I was about to see something on the news about it, so somebody must have reported it, but um, before I, the news report came on, my mom changed the channel, and this is back in the day where you couldn't rewind. There's no TiVos. There's nothing. <laughs> so unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. Years later, I did see a picture, and I'm pretty sure it was a, a lighted blimp. That's kind of what it looked like. But the interesting thing about that sighting was that we were in a very busy part of town. Tons of people saw this. Probably thousands and thousands of people saw this all over the place. We're talking about the suburban sprawl, you know, in you know, in the L.A. greater L.A. area, essentially. And I, nobody really did much. They all sort of looked at it and went on their own business. People were pointing. Some people looked startled. I know me and my friends were kind of freaked out. And we're just like, uh, let's just go back inside and ignore what we just saw, pretty much, is our reaction to it. <laughs> so that's just, you know, one example. Based on that and some other stuff I've seen, I think that most of this stuff goes unreported. But yeah, who knows? At least most of the witnesses. But maybe some of those other witnesses will come forward at some point. 73, you know, it's not that long ago. They A lot of them still are probably around, hopefully. So maybe we'll get some more witnesses come forward and say, yeah, I was there. I did see that strange device. I was driving by. But on the other hand, what are the chances that, uh, you know, one of those people will actually listen to this show? (laughs) But if you do, go ahead and report it. Maybe um, record it to New Fork or one of the other places you can report it to. Uh, Let's see. Okay, where was I? Let's see. Um, So anyways, yeah. So he said he doesn't know if it was the same craft that he saw before, but he said that the second sighting, was in approximately the same place as the Pascagoula, Pascagoula abductions. It was approximately the same t- place and time as when they got abducted. So that could be, he could have saw the craft actually as it was going to abduct these two people. 
which is pretty interesting if we do have a corroborating witness. Who knows? But that I find that fascinating that that's a possibility. All right, so there was also testimony sort of from an officer, a police officer, but they wanted to remain anonymous. But they said that during that night when the two were abducted, they got about 50 phone calls reporting UFO activities in the skies. So apparently this thing was zipping all over the place. Now, if 50 people called into the police station, you can bet that a lot more people saw it and did not call in. But who knows? What I would like to do is to see, I don't know, I wish I had more time for each of these cases. It would have to be like a a bi-monthly show if I did all this stuff. But it'd be cool if we could like, you know, call that police, the police department there and see if you could actually get the records of those call logs. Would they even have that anymore? I don't know. But that would be pretty cool if we could actually get that evidence. Just Even just the call logs, just a simple, you know, this person called at midnight to report a UFO. And if we had a call log with 40, 50 of those in there, that would be very important corroborating evidence, I think. Very important. But I, I was unable to find that. I did look for it a little bit, but... I couldn't find it. I think you would probably have to call the police station directly, and I doubt they would still have that in their archives because that's kind of a long time ago to keep that much paper. Yeah, I would would kind of doubt it. Yeah. So there was also sightings a day before the abduction. 15 people saw reported seeing a large silver UFO slowly fly over a housing project in St. Tammany Parish, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, this I looked on a map is about 70 miles away, give or take, but it's not that far. You look at the map, it's like right there, right next to the Biloxi area. It's it's pretty much a straight shot right over there. So it's kind of interesting. It may or may not be related, but I mean, when you have these mass sightings over a couple of days, you have a bunch of people all reporting a very similar object. Could be related, you know? It's hard to say that it wasn't. Now, after the events... They did go on to take a lie detector test. Which which one of them? I think it was, um, was it? They, didn't they both take it? Yeah, but one of them, I think it was, uh, was it Parker that said that, I should have wrote, wrote this down, but one of them said that they actually, they wanted to take a lie detector test to sort of prove that they were not lying, you know? And they took it and they passed. But yeah, we've talked about on the show before about how I don't put too much stock in that. But it's still pretty interesting. And it still does support the idea that the two believed what they were saying. You know, they Mm -hmm. definitely felt like they were telling the truth, according to not just the lie detector test, but a lot of people that they interacted with, whether it was the police or the two people from those organizations, you know, Heineck and that, what was that other guy? Those guys that interviewed him. I mean, people think that they were telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So there was that. So do you have anything else to add before we move on, Agent ETA? No, no. I think uh, you, you mentioned everything I took notes on as far as that goes. All right. So I found a recording of the actual police interview. There's the recording out there. You can find it. It's on the internet. It's available. And I was hoping to sort of, you know, it's an old tape recording and it's very, very noisy. I have a really good restoration software. I have Isotope RX-10. but So I was hoping to sort of restore it and make it more easy to listen to, but uh, it would. I don't really have a lot of skill in that department. That's not really what I do. It would have taken all day to get something usable. It's like really, really bad quality. So unfortunately, I didn't end up using the recording for this show, which I was kind of hoping I could do, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll figure that out and do it as like a bonus content thing or something, but... 
Um, the, uh, the recording does have a transcript, which I am going to, let's see, let me put that. You want to read this with me, agent ETA. I'll put a link in the, um, maybe in the live show chat and we can go through the transcript of the police interview because the way they describe this stuff is pretty interesting, I think. And it's, I don't know, like I always say, it's more interesting to go and look at the original witness statements than it is just to hear somebody's opinion about it, right? So let me see, I got this on, I got this on my Chromebook, but let me pull up the, uh, let me pull up the link here so I can send it in the chat. It's on NICAP or, or kneecap as, as we call it on this show. Diamond's going to hit the sack. Night Diamond, thanks for joining us. Hope hope to see you next time. Thanks again for the uh, video edits. Diamond started putting some little videos. I, don't, I have to ask him where he got this from, but with our YouTube, he's doing some YouTube stuff for us. And on the last video he did for the Allagash adopt abdu- I always say abduction. I don't know why. Uh, for the Allagash abduction, he made like these little short clips to go in there in a couple of points. It's kind, it's kind of kind of neat looking. It's like like an animated thing. It's obviously animated, but it kind of a little more interesting than just our logo the whole time. <laughs> but all right. Did you get that link agent ETA? Yeah. All right. So if you look, it's got a picture of, of Charles and Calvin there sitting there. And I was looking, dude, Charles is only 42. He looks pretty rough for 42. <laughs> nah, a little bit. He's definitely going bald. <laughs> He's uh must be work. Must work outdoors. <laughs> and it starts off with a quote. I can tell you here and now, and God is my witness, and I believe in God, that when I, I die, I'll tell everybody what I saw, and it'll be the same story. So there's, oh, one, I guess one thing to mention is that um, Hickson, his story stayed pretty consistent throughout the years, but Parker, the younger one, he did go on to do like a lot of the, the UFO circuits, a lot of interviews and a lot of that stuff. And people pointed out that his story did change over the years. And in fact, at one point he did claim some things like being able to, like having visions of the future and stuff like his, his stuff sort of spun more and more over the years. And a lot of people point to that as evidence that he was hoaxing the whole thing, which I'm not really convinced that that's the case. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, this, this thing happened to them it was international news. So of course people are going to offer them money for their stories. And it's not like we're talking about Bill Gates here. So I think anybody would be like, well, I guess, yeah, I could use a few extra bucks. Why not? You know, so they'll take it. And most people would. And, uh, you know, he goes and tells a story. And then the next time, the next people that contact him are like, okay, well, we'll pay you a little bit of money. We'll pay you a little bit more, but this time we want some new information that you didn't reveal last time, you know, cause they want the hot scoop, mm-hmm. you know, they, they want yeah. the, the big story that new information, you know, stuff like that. So I, th- I suspect that's what's happening here, which is why it's, I mean, it doesn't necessarily prove anything. It doesn't prove that it's a hoax. In my opinion, I'm not saying that it's not a hoax, but that alone doesn't convince me that it, it's a hoax because we've seen this before in a lot of other cases. The most prominent one I can think of is the Rendlesham Forest case, where, which I'm sure we'll get to that sooner or later. It's a great case. But some of the witnesses did embellish their stories and basically invent new stories over time, whereas, and usually they did this on TV programs or whatever, whereas other witnesses never went on TV or at least very rarely, and their stories stayed the same throughout the years. So you see this, you know, that as the more they're interviewed and the more they tell their story, they just sort of add to it over time. 
But all right, so let's see. Uh, so it has a little description here starting off. By Sunday night, the news people had left Pascagoula. Dr. Hynek was on his way back to Chicago and on and on. So let's see. It gets back to, uh, let's get down to the, the interview. Yeah, I guess. let's see. All right, so the I think the tape starts with sort of halfway in between, and it's with um, Charlie's voice. I guess he did most of the talking, and it's halfway through a sentence saying, do you want to alternate? You can be the police investigator, Agent ETA. Uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. So your first line, I guess, will be, what did you say your name was? So I'll start with, Yeah. even though I'll be the laughing stock of the country, I'll tell what I've seen and the experience I've had. Uh, what did you say your name was? Charles Hickson. H-I-C-K-S-O-N. Even though they laughed me out of Jackson County, I'll do what I know is right. That's all I can do, and I don't expect anybody to believe it. It's just unbelievable. So there was a weight in Charlie's voice, as though he was having to push the words out, heave them out. Oh, that's that's more of like a yeah, an editorial description, I guess. Uh, I guess it's a <laughs> little, yeah, little flowery there. <laughs> he had to yeah. push the words up. Push them up. <laughs> pushed him out, man. But the <laughs> you ever uh, had your words pushed in? <laughs> Never mind. Training day is a reference. Anyways, oh yeah, we we, we just have to know what happened. Uh, we happened to y'all from a, uh, the very beginning. And I'd like to pause oh. here to apologize oh. for our weak ass Southern accents. But anyways, we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah. Well, this will be the third time. We just want to make sure to hear your story. That's that's what convinced us now. <laughs> yeah, there's no now on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Calvin and me, this boy, he works with me. We went down below the grain elevator along the river. We caught a few hardheads down there, a couple of croakers, not much. So I said to Calvin, son, let's go up by the old Chopter shipyard. I've caught redfish in there and speckled trout. Is he your son? No, no, he's just a friend. He's from Jones County. That's where I'm reared from. I've got a farm and a home up there. Well, so we went over there to try a little while. We sat there fishing. I don't know how. I guess we must have seen the thing the same time. It's a blue light. It's a circled, it circled a bit. How high was it? You couldn't hardly tell. It wasn't too close. But it wasn't no two, three miles away. It was pretty close. And a blue light. You're surprised when you look at it in the sky and you see a blue light. It really calls your attention to it. Then in just a little while, it come right down above the bayou. You know, about two, three feet above the ground. How close was it? 25, 30 yards. But it might have been 35, 40 yards. You see something like that, it scare you to death. And I couldn't believe it. I started to head for the river. Was there a noise to it? A little buzzing sound, mm, mm, just like that, that's all. Wasn't any bla back blast or anything. And you think you're dreaming about something like that, you know. And I started to hit the river, man, and Calvin just, he went hysterical. What's Calvin's last name here now? <laughs> it's, it doesn't say that. <laughs> it's Parker, Calvin Parker Jr. He got his father's name. And then it says there's a pause, and then Charlie continues. So we was right on the river. It didn't hit the ground. It hovered. And all of a sudden, right in the end of, of it, this opening was laid up there, and three of them just floated out of the thing. They wasn't on no ground. They didn't have feet here there now? 
I just want to point out that ETA is embellishing his part of the transcript a little bit, just just so you know. <laughs> I draw my inspir- inspiration from the Dukes of Hazard <laughs> and and from playing Red Dead Redemption. Oh yeah, to yeah, be honest. Too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't have no toes, but they had feet shape. It was more or less just a round-like thing on a leg. If you'd call it a leg, I was scared to death. And me with a spinning reel out there, it's all I had. I couldn't, well, I was so scared. Well, you can't imagine. Calvin Dunn went hysterical on me. Then what happened? They walk on up to you? They just, no. They just glided up there to me. Then one of them made a little buzzing noise, and two of them never made no noise. What kind of noise? Just, and that's that's actually in the transcript, by the way. It has uppercase yeah. Z's, then lowercase Z's, then an uppercase, then lowercase, then uppercase. So I'm just being accurate so, to the transcript. <laughs> it sound like a machine? Yeah, like that. It might have been contact in the others. See, I don't know. By then, I was so damn scared, I didn't know anything. And two of them just floated around behind me and lifted me off the ground. By your arms? By my arms. With their pincher things. They must have done something. I just raised off the ground. Well, they didn't use no force now? No force. They didn't hurt me. I didn't feel nothing. How was your body doing then? Buddy? The buddy? buddy? Your body, boy. The buddy. He just passed out on me. Oh, your buddy. Yeah. (laughs) He just said buddy. Never mind. He just passed out on me. And they glided me into that thing. You know, how you just glide somebody. All of us moved like we were floating through air. When I got in there, they had me, you know, they just kind of had me there. There were no seats, no chair. They just moved me around. I couldn't resist them. I just floated, felt no sensation, no pain. They kept me in that position a little while. Then they'd raise me back up. Now you say they had some kind of instrument on you, didn't you? Some kind of instrument, I don't know what it was. I didn't see anything that I could call an instrument that I've ever seen before. Well, what did it look like? Could you describe it? I just couldn't describe it. Was it like an x-ray machine? No, it wasn't like no x-ray machine. There ain't no way to describe it. It looked like an eye. Like a big eye. It had some kind of an attachment to it. It moved. It looked like a big eye. And it went all over my body, up and down. And then they left me. They left you inside the machine? Left me right by myself. In the position they had me in, I couldn't move. Just my eyes could move. And I don't know how long they left me. I don't even know if I stayed conscious. But I think I did. And then they came back. How long did they leave you? I don't know. I never wear no watch. How long would you say? I'd say 20 to 30 minutes. Then, when they came back, they laid me back over again. You didn't try to talk to them, ask them what was going on? Yes, I did, but I'd get a buzzing sound out of one of them. That's all. They didn't pay me no attention, my talking or anything. How many eyes did they have? There could have been eyes, but I didn't see any. But there was something that came straight out more or less where a nose would be on a human being's face. Hold on, sorry. I touched the screen and it freaking went crazy like it. it <clears throat> okay. Make sure machine. 
Yeah. Agent Ethers in the chat. She says, first of all, to her accents, she says, oh my God, lol. And then now she's saying, (laughs) (laughs) now she's saying, ew, creepy. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. Like if you look at the pictures and it, oh, yeah, this, these things, they don't look like robots according to the descriptions. They like, uh, we didn't spend too much time on the descriptions, but man, that they have like mummy skin and they look, I don't know, these things are really weird looking. All right. So the the last little paragraph you said that, uh, what was it, uh, ended on a, a human, be- human being's face? Yeah. And the next up for you, I think is they okay. have any hair. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, they have any hair now? <laughs> I don't know. I just swear. I don't know. That's blank in my mind. You looked at them, didn't you? Did they breathe? I swear. I don't know. How tall were they? They were about five feet tall. They, did, oh. they didn't have no kind of clothes or nothing? Not so as I noticed. And you can't tell me what color they was? Man, you as scared as I was. <laughs> was they white, 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 prob- what the hell is that? That's probably a typo. Okay. Well, all right, well I'll just read it how it's, how it's spelled right here. <laughs> was a <they> white, <laughs> was a white, Ukin, pale, blue, <laughs> green? I think it's supposed to be looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best I remember, they looked pale like to me. Wrinkled skin? It might have been. It looked kind of like a skin fit. <laughs> they <laughs> might. What does that mean? A skin fit? I don't know what a skin fit is. <laughs> like either the skin is fit on them. Like that's kind of creepy, dude. Like they like the skin is wrapped on like on top of something else, maybe, or maybe like this the skin itself is like throwing a fit. I don't know. I don't like it either way. I don't like that one bit. All right. Mm-hmm. It might have been. It looked it looked kind of like a skin fit. They might have had something on. They might not have. I don't know. You say below the nose there was an opening? Like a slit, and I never saw that opening move. And they had something on each side of the head that resembled ears, but didn't look like ears that we know. And the head, I didn't see any neck. It looked like it just sat there on a body. Was this right after dark? It wasn't too long after dark. Well, why are you waiting till this time of night to go call us? Well, Mr. Fred, when I got out of there, I knowed nobody wouldn't believe me. I went by the Mississippi Press, beat on the door. This color guy was sitting at the desk. Apologies, I'm just reading the transcript. That's um, that's a term that is offensive from what I understand, so apologies for that. I said I wanted to see a reporter. He said there won't be no reporter till morning. I thought about it again. If I call the sheriff's department, they won't believe me. If I call the police department, they won't believe me. Well, how'd you know unless you tried? Well, I apologize for that. That's my thinking. How much did you have to drink? I hmm. hadn't drank anything, but in the 45 minutes to an hour before I called you all, I did drink. I had to settle my nerves. I just about went crazy, and I gotta get back and let my wife know. She's probably hysterical now. Your wife's all right? You remember leaving? Leaving where? The ship, when they put you uh, out. The only thing I remember is that kid, Calvin, just standing there. I've never seen that sort of fear on a man's face as I saw on Calvin's. It took me a while to get him back to his senses, and the first thing I told him was, Son, ain't nobody gonna believe this. Let's just keep this whole thing to ourselves. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had to let some officials know. 
What they do after they let you go. There was a buzzing sound, and it was gone. Can you describe the vehicle? Yes, I can. It was about eight feet tall. It wasn't round. It was oblong, sort of oblong, and the opening it had was on was at one end of it. The only lights I seen on the outside was that blue light. Inside? What lights they have? I didn't see no bulbs or anything. It just glowed light, but it was real bright. Uh, I don't know. So this if, next one. I th- this next part. Um, so it's I, I don't know if it's skipping part here, but it says Charlie told how he's tried to call. Keesler Air Force Base and how they told him to call the sheriff. So we went over that. There was a few more questions and the interview was over. So I guess it skips over part of that. Um, so it says, uh, Sheriff Diamond asked Charlie to come back in the next morning to make a complete statement. He said he didn't want any publicity and he didn't want to get his family upset. Then Diamond and Captain Ryder went out and left the two men alone in the room with the tape recorder still going. And this is, so this is the secret tape recording where they didn't know that they were being observed or recorded. So this is the transcript for that. Charlie's voice was shaky as he said to Calvin. So I guess I'll be Charlie. Um, I can't, I can't take much more of that. And Calvin sounded, sounded frantic. Calvin, I got to get home and get to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctor or something. I can't stand it. I'm about to go half crazy. I tell you when we went through, I'll get you something to settle you down so you can get some damn sleep. I can't sleep, yet like it is. I'm just damn near crazy. Well, Calvin, when they brought you out, when they brought me out of that thing, God damn it, I'd like to never in hell get you straightened out. His voice rising, Calvin said, My damn arms, my arms. I remember they just froze up and I couldn't move. Just like I stepped on a damn rattlesnake. I don't know how that makes sense, but I guess if if he was uh, really afraid, like if you, oh, if you're like yeah. frozen in fear, I suppose they didn't do me that way. Sighed Charlie. Now both the men were talking as if to themselves. Calvin said, "I passed out. I expect I never passed out in my whole life. I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. You can't make people believe. I don't want to keep sitting here. I want to see a doctor. They better wake up and start believing." They better start believing. You see how that damn door come right up? I don't know how it opened, son. I don't know. It just laid up and just like that those sons bitches, just like that they come out. They come out. I know. You can't believe it. You can't make people believe it. I paralyzed right then. I couldn't move. They won't believe it. They're going to believe it one of these days. Might be too late. I knew all along there was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me. And you know yourself I don't drink. I know that, son. When I get to the house, I'm going to get me another drink. Make me sleep. Look, what we sitting around for, I got to go tell Blanche. What are we waiting for? And it says, Calvin says panically, I got to go to the house. I'm, si- I'm getting sick. I got to get out of here. And then Charlie gets up and leaves the room and Calvin was all alone. And he says, one more thing. Calvin says, it's hard to believe. Oh God, it's awful. I know there's a God up there. And then I, and then I says, guess, yeah, go ahead, ETA. Yeah, it says his, his words and uh, as, a, as he prayed, it became inaudible. Yeah, and then that's the end of the transcript. So this is again, this is from nightcap.org. And the title of this article, if anybody wants to look up the transcript for themselves, 
It's all they meant to do was go fishing. The Pascagoula incident, Charles Hickson, Calvin Parker abduction case, October 11, 1973. That's sort of the title. So all they just Google, all they meant to do was go fishing the Pascagoula incident, and it should come up and it's the nightcap.org link. So <laughs> aging ether says, I believe you. Oh, thanks. I hope that was a um, convincing performance. <laughs> but, yeah. We've, <laughs> We got lots of practice with our Southern accents playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did here now there. Is playing uh, <laughs> Red Dead, which I, I don't know if if those are at all accurate to any accent that anybody has anywhere in the world. But, you know, I like to think that it's a Southern accent. I've never been to Mississippi, yeah. so I have no idea what they really sound like there. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that's our that's our best uh, best effort, I suppose, for an accent. Yeah, well, well hell if I know there, boy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's pretty much the case uh, in a nutshell. Now, there are some other things that sort of surround it, other UFO sightings that we mentioned and, you know, that happened around there. And you could go on and analyze a lot of what happened afterwards as well as far as like witness statements and things like that. But like I said, I'm not a huge fan of comparing later witness statements. I like to get as close to the event as possible. And from what I read, this tape recording was taken approximately three hours after the event, give or take. Now, Mm -hmm. that recording, like I said, that recording is available online. And I'm I'm thinking like I want to try to figure out how to clean it up a little bit because it's really noisy. Like it's kind of hard to hear what they're saying. It's old tape and it sounds like old degraded tape. It's very, very noisy. When I use my noise, I have like a noise removal thing that I use on for our podcast, for our voiceovers. It gets rid of stuff like, you know, any air conditioning noise or anything like that in the background. It does degrade your voice a little bit, but the tape was so noisy when I tried that on the recording, it just completely destroyed it. Like you couldn't hear what they were saying at all, basically. So I'm going to see if I can figure out, um, you know, there's... I, the way I use the tool is basically like a sledgehammer. I'm going to see if there's a better way to use it to get a better result, basically. But if I do, if I am able to get that cleaned up, maybe I'll put it on the Patreon bonus. Um, otherwise, at the very least, I'll probably put a link in the episode for where to find these, uh, where to find these recordings there. Um, actually, maybe I'll just say where to find them because I'm probably going to forget to put the link when I'm editing this. So let's see. Uh, where was it? No, that's not it. Uh, I have it on my other browser. Give me just a moment here. If I can find hey, this. Okay, here we go. So it's at N-O-U-F-O-R-S dot com forward slash Pascagoula underscore abduction underscore audio underscore files dot HTML. So that's no U-F-O-R-S, Northern Ontario UFO Research and Study. And it doesn't just have the recording of this conversation. It also has other stuff. It has Charles Hickson interviewed by Dr. James Harder. It has Chuck Burgess, Pascagoula newspaper reporter interviewed by Ken Doyle on the radio. It has the uh, Pascagoula sheriff, Fred Diamond, comments on the, the Hickson-Parker abduction investigation. It has um, another Fred Diamond recording uh, being interviewed on the radio. It has, it has a couple other, it has a bunch of stuff on here. That, you know, it would take for, I don't have anywhere near enough time to listen to all this stuff, unfortunately, but, um, you know, even though you can find this stuff online, I really wanted to see if I can clean up this recording to make it easier to listen to, because it's not easy to listen to in its current form, but either way, that's 
listen to and you guys are doing it either. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> I am not a professional. <laughs> Zing. So I guess Aging Ether joined us on the live show here. Welcome, Agent Ether. I was an admin, so I raised my hand and I think it put me on the stage. Yeah, yeah, you you have that power as an admin. There's only four admins on this dis, uh, this Discord server, and you have the power. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I don't want to believe these people. I'm I don't like abduction stories because I don't want them to be true. They're so creepy, and the fact that there's two people and that they're corroborating each other's story, uh, you know, it lends some credibility to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact well, that they were, they were, oh yeah, sorry, ETA, go ahead. Well, I think I, I was about to say the same thing you were about to say, is that the fact that they were left alone in that interroga- interrogation room, and they didn't know that they were being recorded, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's it's quite I, credible yeah. right there. We're gonna say. It's different, too. It's a different uh, description for different, have there been, do you know if there's been any similar descriptions for that type of alien? Um. I have seen descriptions with similar to the hands, like the pincher or claw-like hands, but I haven't seen, I'm not aware of any descriptions that match this particular type of alien or robot or whatever the hell it was. It's so weird. It so is, it's unique. Yeah. Incredibly weird. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's other similar accounts out there, but not that I know of. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's super creepy, and the fact that they were talking about it and being recorded without knowing it, yeah. ma- to me, makes it a lot more believable. At least, I believe that they believe they're telling the truth, at the very least, right? So, yeah. Um, I don't know if, it, maybe it was some kind of hallucination, maybe, who knows what happened. And this The problem for me with abductions is that it's so far outside of any sort of experience that, that I've had it's just really hard to put myself in their place. It's really hard to imagine that this mm-hmm. really happened, no matter how good the evidence is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. all right. Well, I guess I have, this, I've, I have the same opinion. The only, the only big credible part of this is the recording from which they were, uh, you know, in the, they were in the interrogation room. Yeah. That's by far the most reputable part of this story. Yeah. By far. And we have some corroborating witnesses that, you know, potentially came forward years later that saw the UFO. We had witnesses seeing it, you know, the day before their UFO sightings. There were witnesses calling into the police department. This seems like a legitimate UFO sighting. I mean, it's hard to dismiss at the very least. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you saying something, Agent Ether? I see your sound sort of popping off and on. No, it's just uh, very creaky where I am staying. It is an old house. Oh, an old creaky house. Wow, that's scary. Oh, maybe there's spooky ghosts. Scary is it's like way up on this hillside. And I'm very nervous about if there's an earthquake. (laughs) Because there's been a couple of big earthquakes north of us, up in like the Eureka area, closer to the border of Oregon. So in the back of my mind, I'm like thinking about the big one. And I'm like, of course, I'd be in the city when it strikes in this house on top. Up a hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This old creaky house. Well, at least you're on top of the hill. So when stuff falls down, you're going to be falling onto other stuff. So, you know, the people below you will get squished more than you, hopefully. It's much better. <laughs> well, ah. It's pretty sheer. It's pretty sheer. And then down below, it's like a highway. 
Oh, really? So I wow, must have a really nice view at least. It does. Yeah, you can see all kinds of things from the uh, from the top. Oh, you can sweet. Even peek out. Yeah, you can even peek out and see the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, that's you awesome. Lean, out. That's lean cool. out. Yeah. You have to send me a picture. But I, yeah, right. I was it's dark now, so I can't. Yeah. So, all right. I, I guess pretty much all I had to say about the Pascagoula abduction. Did uh, either of you have Agent Ether or Agent ETA? Any final thoughts? I mean, that's all my thoughts on it. Agent Ether? I have, no, I have nothing more to add to this conversation. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this week's episode. Before we get out of here, uh, there's I'm going to put a link in the description. There are books, or at least one book, that's been written by... Um, what was which one was it Parker <laughs> uh Calvin Parker I think he went on to yeah, write books so. he has a website uh he has he wrote at least one book that I saw so I'll put a link to that in the description anybody who wants to take a look at that now personally because he's his story seems to have changed over the years I'm not sure that it's like totally accurate it might be a little embellishment going on there or a lot and again like I said he said that he started having like these visions, you know, he would go unconscious and have these visions of the future and that kind of stuff. It seems a little, seems a little sensational to me. So take it for what it's worth. I don't know. But if, if anybody wants to check it out, that'll be in the description. I haven't read it, so I can't really say I have much of an opinion on it. But anyways, that's all we got for you this week. That is an affiliate link. Um, your purchase helps support the show and doesn't cost you anything extra. Keep it strange.